Well, as many of you know, it's the 40th year of the Big Iron Farm Show. It kicked off today. And joining us right now, we got a very special guest. He's the Director of Agribusiness Development for Bell Bank, our good friend, Lynn Paulson. He's actually going to be on a panel tomorrow at Big Iron. So, Lynn, it's great to see you again. Uh, welcome back to Point of View. Let's just jump in here. You're going to be on a panel tomorrow. Uh, who are you going to be on the panel with at the Big Iron Show? How can people come check you out? And what are you all going to be talking about? Yeah, I'm going to be on a panel with uh, Frayne Olson of NDSU, and then the CEO of Ag Country is going to be on the panel. And it's just going to be a Q&A session on things that are going on in the ag sector, how COVID is impacting uh, the farm sector right now. And uh, we'll be listening to producers' questions, and, and uh, hopefully we have some decent responses for them. <laughs> I know. I'm sure you guys will. But, you know, it's always fascinating to get that feedback from people that are out there, you know, doing the business, right? Doing the work. So what kind of questions are you seeing the most right now from our great egg producers? Well, I think, you know, a lot of them right now, actually, you know, 2020 is setting up potentially to, to be an okay year for area producers. And, uh, you know, basically for three reasons, Chris, you know, we've got a pretty good crop coming around here. You know, I get the opportunity to travel around in, in multiple states, and I would say that we've got as good a crop around here, generally speaking, as, uh, as anything. So that's certainly a positive. Uh, the second thing is obviously commodity prices have, have taken a nice bump uh, due to uh, some some things with China trade and maybe a little bit lower than projected crop yield. And, and that's really uh, uh, providing some underlying support for uh, commodity prices. And the third, obviously, is a lot of government money coming into agriculture. I mean, it's kind of been an alphabet soup, a little bit of, of, of farm programs and so forth. But that certainly will help turn a lot of red ink into at least some moderate form of black ink at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, help, help someone like myself understand this, where you see what's been going on with the trade challenges and some of the market challenges. They are up a little bit now, but yet there's some studies out there that show that net farm income is is actually up as of late. How would you explain that? Uh, actually, just about directly proportional to the amount of government uh, payments and, and government program money coming in. Uh, you, you, you take that out of that equation and, and that net farm income number uh, becomes uh, pretty humbling pretty quick. So with that being said, some light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, from the standpoint that I saw a report today where China starting to build back up its hogs. Let's talk about things closer to home here. Uh, there's been some big soybean sales as of late. So where are soybeans at today? What does that mean for farmers right now? Well, I think, you know, uh, soybean futures are a little bit north of $10 right now. And that's really the highest it's been in the last uh, two years. And, and obviously, a lot of that is driven by China trade, um, and along with maybe a little bit lower than projected uh, uh, crop uh, forecast for this year, as, as I mentioned. You know, there are some thoughts even on the corn side. Uh, China's importing corn, and typically they're not a big corn importer. But, um, you know, there's kind of two schools of thought out there a little bit in the ag world. One is that you know, China really does have uh, some, some issues with, with supply and, and needs to build up. And, and of course, you know, the number one priority for, for China's leaders is you've got to keep the population fed if you want to eliminate or keep social unrest under, under control. So absolutely, they want. The other flip side to that is there's some thoughts that they want to build up their inventories in the event that maybe a, a Trump presidency uh, 2.0 comes and there's another trade disruption, whatever. They've, they've got something in the bin, so to speak, to, to, to wait that wait that out. So you mentioned corn, which is good that China's buying some of that. I know recently there was a very large corn purchase from China, yet uh, obviously ethanol has had some challenges due to maybe some of the waivers and things like that, and, and really demand. I mean, you guys had a piece up on your website about COVID, and we'll get to that in a minute, but you said 
you know, the lost demand for gasoline, you're not really sure if you're, that that ever is really going to come back to where it previously was. So what does that mean for ethanol? It's Chris, it's absolutely huge. Um, you know, on average, U.S. produces maybe 15 bushels of, of corn a year. Ethanol takes up about five billion of that. Um, and at one time during the height of the uh, shutdown and COVID, about 50 percent of the ethanol uh, plants were offline. So, you know, that that demand destruction isn't ever coming back. And, and you know, quite frankly, as people continue to drive less, um, you, you know, vehicles become more efficient. And let's not underestimate the Tesla uh, electric vehicles and, and things like that. Um, you know, corn producers, and we just need to start finding some alternative outlets and uses for some of this production because right now the American farmer, you almost hate to say it, is way too efficient. I mean, they are so good at what they do in terms of producing the crop, but you still have to find an outlet in a market for it. You bring up a fascinating point because I had a recently had a conversation with Congressman Armstrong, and, and he really believes that demand's going to come back. And I, I'm with you, right? It may come back, but boy, not to the previous point. I think people are kind of enjoying working from home, not traveling as much. And so if it doesn't come back, I mean, is the ethanol industry going to continue to run at roughly 50 percent? And then if you're going to sit down with a farmer, are you going to start steering them towards maybe planting something else other than corn? You know, that's a great point. I mean, I think ethanol will come back, but probably not to the to the height of, of where maybe where it was, uh, uh, you know, two, three years ago. Obviously, some of the the. Uh, the waivers, the small refinery waivers, uh, if they put an end to that, that'll, that'll help a little bit with, uh, with, with corn demand. But quite frankly, you need to find some alternative uses uh, for corn. And, and you can do so many things with corn. I mean, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface about what we can do with it. But quite frankly, you know, the days of just raising bulk number two yellow corn and, and hoping the ethanol industry and the animal feed industry takes it all, that's probably a little bit of a short-sighted strategy going forward. And I think agriculture, it's next big wave, if you will. And I think we're coming up on a crossroads in some sort of subtle sort of way in agriculture. Uh, we're going to have to reinvent ourselves a little bit in terms of, you know, what do we do with the products that we produce? Because, you know, quite frankly, even, you know, this COVID thing, Chris, in terms of, of how the American housewife has changed a little bit about, you know, the demand for food. People are eating just as much, but they're eating something quite different. Um, and, and we've seen how the supply chain interruptions, we've seen where the weak links are, so to speak, and they've been exposed. And uh, quite frankly, it, it, it caused some disruption. But for those real entrepreneurs, it, it's showing some opportunities in there as well. Let's speak to that. And we'd love to have you back, man. It's such a fascinating conversation because I do want to talk more about the future and things like that. But, you know, some things that really jumped out due to this COVID situation was obviously the meat packers and our livestock producers and the disconnect there and how we can create maybe a more direct uh, distribution line from our livestock producers to to the table, if you will. So your thoughts on what we can do to help our livestock producers make more money? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, the, the, the livestock industry probably was impacted about as much as, as any of the egg sectors in, in the COVID I mean, I, you know, we've talked to, I've talked in the past about, you know, all the consolidation going on in, in agriculture and, you know, when is, you know, when is too much consolidation a problem? I, th I think we might have just found that out here. Um, Thanks so much to Lynn Paulson. As you can tell, there's a little bit more there. We're going to have him back. It's a great conversation with Lynn all the time. So uh, go check out the Big Iron Show. It's taking place tomorrow and Thursday as well. A lot of great things going on there. Stick around. We come back. We'll be wrapping the show. We've got this great guest for you for tomorrow night. We're going to tell you about right after this.